Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. about the Apostle Paul. Paulie. Paulie, my friend. He's a saint. Yeah, that's my Paulie. That sounds kind of flippant, right? But I've seen some commentaries, alright, and read some papers that modern theologians have written that act like that's their attitude toward Paul, like they know him, you know? I mean, like like they really do. Like, I mean, he come, comes for Sunday dinner. It's like they got him all figured out. Oh, no, Paul wouldn't do something like that. Oh, Paul didn't say that. Oh, no. The fact about the Apostle Paul is this. He is, in many ways... Mysterious. When when they say God works in mysterious ways, they're talking about the Apostle Paul. Because in it's a miracle, actually, that his books are actually in the Bible. Now you you may be thinking, what do you mean? What do you mean? Everybody loves Paul. I mean, oh, everybody quotes him. Everybody talks about Paul. Well, yeah, but in the early church, they had a lot of problems with Paul. Um, as a matter of fact, the Gnostics, who had really weird ideas, really, really weird ideas, and by the way, still do, uh, unbiblical, extra-biblical, anti-biblical ideas, these guys, these people uh, loved him. Now, let's look at what Peter has to say for a second. And I've mentioned this before, and it's in Second Peter chapter three. And let's look at uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. And it says this: "This is Peter. This is therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be." diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Verse 13 says and as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. Now, I could keep on from there, but so that's verse uh, 
2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 16. So, here's, here's the thing. Anyone that tells you they've got Paul figured out, that's the person that doesn't have Paul figured out. And there's some pretty brass, uh, brassy uh, people out there and theologians that spend all their lives, you know, in Paul's letters. And uh, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, you can study your little brains out, but you're not going to nail this guy down. Not completely. Why is that? Well, he's a special gift I'll be honest, I think, to the church. A very special gift in, in many ways. Now, in the early days of the church, they did not think so. They did not like him so much. And why is that? Because they kind of thought he was teaching against, you know, some of his Judaism background. And a lot of people, to this day, a lot of uh, very serious theologians believe he had a conversion all right, on the Damascus Road in Acts uh, where, all, where, where Jesus had, he has a vision of Jesus actually and, uh, and that's when he falls to the ground and here's, here's the Lord and uh, anyway they believe that at that point he just packed up his Judaism and chunked it and then, yes, I'm a Christian now, so this is what I'm doing. Which I don't agree with. I don't agree that's a conversion. I believe that is a call. It was described by one teacher that I respect highly as a call. So if you want to say, okay, now he's a Messianic Jew, okay, well, I might be able to do that. All right. Um, because there's no doubt at that point that he was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Boom. No duh. But he didn't chunk his Judaism. He did not throw his Judaism away. Now, let's 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 look at Paul, just the guy himself. And 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 something else I want I want to tell you. Uh, about this little passage from Peter. He and Peter didn't always see eye to eye. Paul got up in Peter's face, got up in his personal space, it sounds to me like. And, uh, in fact, uh, Paul mentions in one of his letters uh, when uh, Peter started withholding table fellowship from Gentiles when some Jews... uh, from when believing Jews showed up, you know, Peter all of a sudden, Peter wasn't at, their, at the Gentiles' table anymore, you know. He was over, you know, hanging with the, with the crew. And Paul said, I withstood Cephas, which is another, which is Peter's other name, to his face. Now, the thing about Paul is, He's just, he is, he's a hotbed of a whole, di- a whole different thing. That's why I keep saying he's, he's a gift. Now, first of all, something I found super interesting about Paul is this. He states that 
when he, he was growing up, before he says, and he makes a very, very big uh, deal of being a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, I am the dude. If you're looking for Judaism, I'm a Jewish Judy, Judaism, Judaismist person you've ever seen. You don't get any more Jewish than me. That's what Paul's saying. And the uh, interesting thing is, is, is he grew up uh, learning from Gamaliel. All right? Now, Gamaliel was, if I remember correctly, the grandson of Hillel. Hillel was looked at as more of, well, in his day, they would have called it liberal, but he, he, he had more of an, a uh, kind of a, I don't want to say live and let live attitude, but basically he, he, his situation was, how does it serve the person and glorify the Lord? Whereas um, Shammai, who was the other huge teacher of the day, uh, his attitude was, how does it serve the Lord? Uh, you know, if it's if it's hard, if, if it inconveniences you, you know, then tough. So anyway, so you could say that uh, Shammai, as as a teacher, the the house of Shammai, they say, was a lot more conservative, a lot more strict. All right, screwed down tight, and Hillel was a little bit more. I don't want to say easygoing, but a little bit more uh, relaxed in that kind of benefit. Uh, Shammai wasn't really interested in Gentiles at all, Uh, whereas Hillel was. Now, the interesting thing was is is this attitude of his would, would have been passed down from his son to his grandson. And his grandson, Gamaliel, when he talks uh, in the book of Acts uh, at a Sanhedrin, uh, has some interesting things to say about, hey, let's use a little common sense because we could be fighting God. Okay, And that's very much like, uh, when, very much like Hillel. I mean, when, when you when you see what he has to say. Now, why do I go into that? I go into that because because an easier or or an easygoing attitude and I really don't like that's not completely correct is because uh, it's really hard to nail that down. Um but the more live and let live kind of kind of attitude was not Paul. That was not Paul at all. And what's fascinating is he is he grew up under Gamaliel, but man, but he was not he didn't it didn't apparently look like when you read the Book of Acts and his some of his writings, you know, some of the books of the, of the New Testament, some of the letters that he wrote, which is what they are, that he really felt that way. He was screwed down tight. He was a lot more like Shimei. 
fact, he was putting to death Jews that were in the church. Before he had his his encounter with Jesus, okay, so. But uh, he grew up uh, in Tarsus, and he grew up a Roman citizen by birth because it was a Roman city. Now here's the thing, that's huge, because uh, Roman citizenship was very. I mean, that just it's not like. T- today where you're born in a country and oh yeah you're a citizen uh back then you know you could be born a roman citizen but if you weren't born in a city that was a roman city and you wanted roman citizenship you know it wouldn't matter if it was the city like two miles away from a roman city it could be kind of a, a hard gig you had to really earn some stuff you pay a lot of money or join the military or stuff like that. But anyway, so he was a Roman citizen. He had a really good education. He had a very good education. Now, he knew Greek, and Romans knew Greek. Why? Because they didn't run around speaking Latin. Latin was a predominant language, yes, but it was a language of the upper level and of legal matters and things of that nature. And yes, they spoke Latin to each other, but not all the time. Most of the time, they spoke Greek. Why? Because Greek was spoken everywhere. That's why it was so useful for the New Testament, because it was spoken everywhere. And Romans knew Greek. So, now... Evidently, Paul was trained in Greek thought. I mean, he he knew argumentation. He knew rhetoric. He knew uh, a lot of of very classical Roman, Greek, Greco-Roman kinds of thought processes. But he was also one million percent Jewish. So, the big argument in the past over Paul has usually been, was he Greek? Greek, you know, was he really, which they would call Hellenized, or was he Jewish? And the answer is probably somewhere in between, because you can't argue against the fact that the man was brilliant, and he knew a lot of Greek stuff, and Greco-Roman stuff, but he also knew the New Testament. I mean, well, he knew, excuse me, the Torah and the Mishnah. He knew all of his Jewish studies implicitly as well. And he was a fiery little, you know, of course, in tradition, he's a short guy. Nobody actually, I don't think, knows this. He can't prove this from Scripture, but we know this. He was, uh, he was a fiery dude. I mean, he got up in Peter's face. Peter was with Jesus. I mean, knew Jesus really close. Got up in Peter's face and and uh, corrected him on some of his behavior. Well, you don't do that without ha- having some, you know, what they call chutzpah or just brass. Now... The thing with Paul, 
is people want to know, well, okay, was he was he Greco-Roman or, or was he Jewish? The answer is yes. Um, he used the Septuagint uh, pretty much exclusively, and the Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament in his letters. We already know this. Why? Because he didn't read Hebrew? No. I believe he read Hebrew backwards, forwards, and in his sleep. I believe that he used the Septuagint because, again, Greek was everywhere. And you didn't have to translate it. It was already there. Now, one thing that I think we miss, and when I say miss, is when you're reading Paul, This was mentioned by a teacher of mine, that I, and I dearly love this observation. You have to realize, Paul wasn't trying to be a theologian. He wasn't. He was trying to be a pastor. He was writing letters to churches that had problems virtually every one of his letters I think with the exception of Ephesians was addressing some kind of crazy stuff that was going down a problem and theologians since his day for 2,000 blooming years have been writing enough books to fill a forest that would cover the planet 20 times probably oh on their opinions on his stuff but if you just realize that Paul was a pastor he was dealing with issues in a specific church now does that mean you can't use what he has to say today no that's not what that means you certainly you can just like in Revelation when you, you read Jesus is addressing you know, the seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, you know, I think it's well worth listening to what Jesus has to say about those churches. Yeah, you can pay attention to that and bring it on up today. And absolutely, we should with Paul as close as we can. But the complication is, is we end up, and I say we, theologians and pastors and teachers and all kinds of... of uh, of people do tend to start extrapolating stuff from every little word that Paul wrote and I think that can cause complications as a matter of fact if I can go back to what Peter had to say he said there are some things in in them what's them? Paul's writings Paul's letters that are hard to understand and which ignorant and unstable twist to their own dest- destruction now does that mean everyone that's kind of a little off base with that is ignorant or unstable I don't think so but, but it's, it is a situation where Oh, and, and Peter goes on to say, as they do other scriptures. 
So he's calling Paul's writing scripture. That's, that's, that's huge. Peter saying Paul's writings are scriptures. Now here's the thing. I think a lot of times we try to take Paul and nail him down to, one, to a issue. And then we try to use him as a stick to beat people with. For example, that section where uh, where Paul addresses divorce and bishops, where it's supposed to, where it says it needs to be a, a one-woman man is what the Greek says. But nobody knows what that means. Well, people have pretty much just nailed it down to any number of interpretations. But the honest truth is, that's very ambiguous. So, what I would say is, admire Paul. Admire him. It, it, and <laughs> Paul actually says, Hey, be imitator. You know, I'm an imitator of Christ. Be imitators of me. Wow. That's brass. Okay. But learn from him. Learn from him carefully when you're reading the New Testament. Because most of the New Testament we have is his letters. Quite a bit of it. So, you're not going to run away from it. Not if you're reading the New Testament. But try to look at the context that he's looking at. The church, the problem, the history, the culture. What is the issue he's addressing? And what is the takeaway from what he's trying to say? Because each one is different. For example, the book of Romans, the Christians and Romans, the Gentiles, were putting down the Jewish people, the, the Jewish believers. So, oh man, you guys. Uh. So there was a problem there. Whereas in Galatians, it's just the opposite. The Gentile believers were like, oh no, we need to be Jews now. We need to be Jews before we can be Christian, you know, before we can believe in Jesus and, and have and be full, full, full blown on board with Jesus. We got to be Jews first. And Paul's like, ah, uh-huh. why? Because it's two different problems. Two different problems. Mark Nanos wrote some super good books. Both of both address each one of those books. I gotta warn you, deep, deep stuff. But here's the thing. Read Paul. Read them. But never forget that one reason, and I believe this in my heart, that God really touched this guy was because he was a bridge. He knew 
the Gentile world, and he knew the Jewish world, and he knew them both really well. And I believe in his heart of hearts, he was trying to bridge the gap so that we all would be able to come to a better, closer relationship to each other and most importantly to Jesus to Yeshua HaMashiach so whether people hate Paul or love Paul personally uh, I think the people who've got the biggest problems with Paul once again I'm going to agree with Peter they are just some of his stuff is hard to understand and they're not they're not gripping it because I think they're gripping it maybe too hard because with Paul if you come down on either side you know you have to embrace both parts of him the fact that he was he was a Roman citizen that knew Greco-Roman culture language and all and that he was a Jewish Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. You have to embrace both of those things at the same time, simultaneously, in order to really grip where Paul's heart's coming from. And he is, and by the way, I don't think anyone would disagree with this conclusion, and that is that Paul, whether you hate him or you love him, he's passionate. He is a ball of passionate fire for God, for the Lord. And if you and if you will read his books with a passion of your own, Paul can share some of that with you. He can. So, with that, I want to encourage you get into the letters of Paul don't stay there all the time move around alright but once you read his letters I think it really in many ways helps you see the Old Testament and see the Gospels in in a special light hopefully and not a weird one right Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.